Well, let's go back to the little book of Jude one more time. It's hard to believe we've been preaching through this little epistle for six months about it now. But I really believe it's what the Lord wanted us to hear and wanted us to focus on. And by the grace of God, we'll finish that tonight. We've only got one more verse. And um, then we'll move on to the next book of the Bible, whatever that. You never know, we might start three books of the Bible next time. But we want all that God has for us in his word. And so we're, let, let, let's just start reading from the beginning since this has been such a good journey of listening to what God said. Let's begin with verse number one together. The Bible says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise also these filthy dreamers, defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not. But what they know naturally as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. These are spots in your feasts of charity, when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear, clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, Plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, 
walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words. Having men's persons in admiration because of advantage, but beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And if some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. As Jude finishes his epistle, he's not really addressing the brethren and trying to help them. He's not really addressing the evil ones and correcting them. As he ends the epistle, he just says, I want to dedicate this to you, God. Now unto him, let's see. Lord, this is for you. This is why I wrote this. I want people to get help, but this is for you. And no matter what happens in the world, you're still going to be there and you're still going to be right. And so my focus and my attention is going to be on you. We preached about verse 24 this morning, but then he goes on in verse number 25. He says, to the only wise God, our Savior. I love that phrase in the Bible. It's given three times. Now you've got to have a King James Bible to read it like that. I said this not long ago in a church as I was preaching on the text about the only wise God. And all the modern Bibles that are popular take the wise out. It just says, to God our Savior. Well, that's not what it says. (laughs) It says, the only wise God our Savior. Why would anybody want to take the wisdom out of the front of God Almighty? You think Bible versions, it doesn't matter what you read or what you... No, no. But the Bible lets us know we've got the only wise God and anybody that wants to take that out, amen, I call a heretic and I don't have anything to do with them. Why would you t- remove the place that says that our God is the only wise God? I had a man come up to me after I preached that and he said, Well, I've got a new King James and mine says that. And I should have called him on it, but I, I'm not going to argue with people. I mean, Paul said, if any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. So I, That's a Bible verse, you know. I'm not going to argue with the man. But, you know, the new, even the New King James Bible, it, it says, to God only wise. <laughs> that is different. You know, you can get wisdom from God. You, you can have some wisdom. You can, am I right? Hopefully we can have some wisdom to God. He didn't say to God only wise. It said to the only wise God. You know why it says that? Because people have wrong gods. And the false gods are not wise like our God. It is to the only wise God. You can pick whatever God you want to. You're not going to have a wise one unless you have the God of this Bible. 
the only wise God. I can't imagine how in the world I should have known that when we had a Republican candidate for president that had a different God. Right. The God of Mormonism is not the only wise God. It's a created God. It's not the God of the Bible. Jehovah Witness God, not the, not, not the God of the Bible, not the only wise God. And now we got this guy, this Rasaswamy Smarna, whatever his name is. He's a Hindu. He's got a million gods. And he's the best thing since sliced bread in the country. Boy, the devil's smart, isn't he? Why, why would I even consider having somebody leave the country that believes in millions of gods and is a fool. I'm not getting into politics. I mean, maybe all but a few of them are fools. But when you say that there's a million gods, you're a fool. And a heathen. And you're going to go to hell when you die. Because Jesus said, I'm the only way. There's only one God. The Bible says, one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, and I've got the only wise God. There's, Buddhism is on the rise. People are exploring the Buddhist religion and exploring a different God. Buddha was not even wise enough to not be fat. Why would I want a God that is that fat? That's not wisdom. He probably died at an early age. You say, preacher, you making fun of other gods? Yeah. Because people need to know there is only one wise God. And if you follow another one, you're going to follow him to the pit. To the only wise God. Boy, I'm glad I don't follow Christian science or the writings of some woman. Yeah. That Ellen G. White thing, boy, that's a a false God. The New Age gods. The news media gods. The the Bible says there are many that are called gods. That's 1 Corinthians 8, 5. There are a lot of gods in this world, but all of them are dumb. None of them have any wisdom. You know how the Lord made fun of those idol worshipers? He says, you got a God, but he can't see. He said, you got a God, you make, you make a statue of him, and he can't hear. He can't smell. He said, it's a dumb idol, just like you. And that's what the Bible says. The people that make them are like unto them. That is an insult. Guys, if we don't start showing it is just as wicked to follow a news media God as it would be to follow the gods on Olympus somewhere. It leads to the same place. Our society makes gods out of actors and Hollywood stars and politicians. Yeah. Go to, go to Washington, D.C., Huge statues of Abraham Lincoln and Thomas Jefferson and Martin Luther King. They'll probably have one of JFK pretty soon. 
all types of gods people make out of people. Somebody needs to go up there and make a big statue to the Bible. <laughs> but no, they want you to see this man is great. I mean, you look at those statues, those, those, they look like gods up there. Yeah. And then they take some of the other statues down, but we better not preach about that. We better move on with all that. Because they, they, they want to have their gods propped up. And the Bible says there's only one wise God. There's just one only wise God. There's just one almighty God. There is just one God who knows it all. There's just one God that's holy. Amen. And there's nowhere else to look. If you went looking for another God, you couldn't find one that was smart enough to help you. Because the Bible says, to the only wise God. Now, now that, that, that makes me pause. We're, we're, we're smiling. We're saying amen, at least most of us. And, and we agree with all that. To the only wise God, we agree with that. But let me ask you a question. If we believe that, why don't we think God is smart enough to know what's best for us? If we believe that we have the only wise God, then why don't we think he knows what's best for me? Why do I think I know what's best for me? Why do I not trust his wisdom? If I believe that I have the only wise God, do I believe that he's wise enough to tell me how to live? Right? It's not just enough to say, we believe there's only wise God. Okay, are we listening to him? Are we letting him direct our lives? It matters not if we're not a Hindu or not a Buddhist or don't worship uh, Satan or, or, you know, worship the God of secular humanism or whatever it is. But we, we, we believe the right God, but we won't trust his wisdom. Do you think his word is wiser than anything else that you can read in this world. The only wise God gave you a book of wisdom to guide all of our lives. So why wouldn't we listen to Him? Why wouldn't we follow Him? If we believe He's the only wise God. It's like, you know, those Christians I've dealt with hoping to buy them. So here's what God said. Yeah, yeah, but... Or like some Christians I've said, well, the Bible says this right here. And I've had, I've had deacons tell me, not here, praise the Lord. I've had deacons tell me, I don't care what that says. To my face. With other witnesses. <laughs> now, now, now listen. No, it wasn't here. But what I'm trying to tell you is, what I'm trying to tell you, that man was at least honest. Because here what we do, I would never say that, but we would live that way. What I'm trying to tell you is, we live in a day of apostasy where people have lost their minds. 
where, where people are, are steeped in darkness and ignorance. And God ends this book reminding us that we have the only wise God that has all the knowledge and the help and the understanding that we need. But we've got to get it from Him. We can't lean into our own understanding. To the only wise God. Let's keep reading. Our Savior. God our Savior. Now it's one thing for Him to be God and the only wise God. It's another thing for Him to be my Savior. He could be God Almighty but not give a flip about me. You know what I love about in verse, verse 24? I didn't preach it this morning, but I could have. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. But you know the good thing about God? He's not only able to keep you from falling. He's willing. He's willing to keep us from falling. He not only has the ability to do it, but he wants to do it. And this God that is so wise and so powerful, he wants to be involved in our lives. He desires to rescue the perishing and care for the dying. He desires to pick up the pieces that have been run over by, by, the, by the things of the world and of wickedness. He's God our Savior. He's not just a wise God up there that's not interested. He wants to, he wants to save people. And guys, He doesn't just want to save us from hell. He wants to save us from making a mess of our lives. You remember when Peter was sinking in that water? And he said, Lord, save me. He wasn't talking about getting me out of hell. Right? I never forget. I, I witnessed, first boy I ever witnessed to in my life. I was, I was in elementary school. First time I ever witnessed. And this little black boy, he's in my class. And I said, you know, I didn't know anything. I was just a little boy. I said, you know, you need, I've been saved. I said, you need to get saved. He said, I've already been saved. I said, tell me how you got saved. He said, one day I was drowning and my daddy picked me up out of the water and he saved me. And I scratched my head. I didn't know what to say. I said, I ain't talking about that. <laughs> but that's all he understood, right? You've been saved. You know why? There's more than one thing to be saved from. Some of us need God to save us from ourselves. Some of us need to be saved from our friends and family members that are trying to lead us away from the ways of truth and righteousness. God is he is so wise, but he wants to be the savior. He is God our savior. You know I like that phrase because that tells me something about my savior. Look at 1 John chapter 4. Grab 1 John chapter 4 and Titus chapter 2. Would you do that? We'll read a little more scripture here tonight. Titus chapter 2, 1 John chapter 4. And since we're really wanting to get into it, go to Isaiah 43. God our Savior to the only wise God our Savior. There's more in that phrase than meets the eye. He said in 1 John chapter 4, in verse number 14, watch it, First John 4, 14. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. So who is the Savior according to this verse? Jesus, the Son. 
The Father is not the Savior. The Son is the Savior. Do you see that? The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Look at verse number 10. Titus 2.10. Not purloining, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine. Watch it. The doctrine of God our Savior. There's that phrase again. In all things, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Look at verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. You say, that's not two. That's the same. God our Savior is one. And the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Isaiah 43. Isaiah chapter 43. I like to read this to Jehovah False Witnesses. Where the Bible said in Isaiah 43 in verse number 11. I, even I, am the Lord. Now when you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that is the name, the Hebrew name for Jehovah in the Old Testament. That's why in the King James Bible, if he has all those caps, he's telling you which name for God he's using. If he has capital L and little O-R-D, that's another name for God. If he has capital G, capital O, capital D, that's a, you see, the King James Bible tells you all kinds of things that most people don't even know it's telling you. This is the name for Jehovah God in the Bible. Now watch it. I, even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. What a thing for God to say. Look at chapter 45, Isaiah chapter 45. He repeats it again in case you didn't get it. Isaiah 45, 21. Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I, the capital L-O-R-D, and there is no God else beside me, watch it, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. There's only one Savior and Jehovah God, God Almighty, and I'm that Savior. Well, the only way you can get this together is you put that Old Testament Scripture in the verse we read, and God our Savior, the Father, sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. And that's why Jesus told him, told the disciples, He said, you've seen me? You've seen the Father? He's God, a very God. He's not just the Savior. He's God, our Savior. What a verse on the deity of Christ. To the only wise God, our Savior. That's to Jesus Christ. He's not just our Savior, He's our God. That's why Thomas, when he saw the resurrected Lord, he said, my Lord and my God. (laughs) Well, that's pretty plain. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. He is the Savior, and the Savior can only be God Almighty. The very name of Jesus means Jehovah saves. It's Jehovah just boiled down with the Savior, God our Savior. That's what He's trying to tell us in Jesus. There's no Savior besides Him. You know what what I'm glad though? Our text says, to the only wise God our Savior. I won't say this. I'm glad he's not just our Savior. 
The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 4.10, we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially, he says, of those that believe. He's a propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. He's not just God our Savior. He's God their Savior if He'll let Him be. Amen. He's not just the Savior for saved people. He can save heathens and prostitutes and harlots and drug addicts and whatever else is out there. I think God's at the end of this book and all this state of apostasy is trying to lift up the fact, hey, this God, this God wants to be your Savior. He wants to help you. And He knows how to do it. To the only wise God, our Savior. Now let, let's, get the, let's get the rest of the verse. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty Dominion and power. Jude's writing and he says, I tell you what. My God, my Savior. He's such a great God. He is so able. He is, he is so, he's such a deliverer. He, he deserves something to be given to him. He, des- he deserves some gifts. Because there's no God like him, you see. And so Jude writes, the first thing I want to give to you, Lord, I want to give you glory. I want to give you glory. You know, the Bible tells us that God's not going to give his glory to anybody else. Nobody deserves glory. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Humanity is about glorifying self and glorifying accomplishments or glorifying the accomplishments of their children so they can shine in the face of the accomplishments of their children. But the Bible says no flesh should glory in his presence. Of him are ye in Christ Jesus who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. What you been bragging on lately? Who you, who you been giving glory to? I sure hope it's none of them politicians out there. I sure hope it's not. You better watch bragging on your family. That might come back to bite you. But I tell you somebody you can brag on, and and it'll always be all right. He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Lord, I'm going to eat this meal to the glory of God. I'm going to go to work for the glory of God. Amen. I'm going to live my life for your glory. I want you to get something out of my life because there's no God like you. Most people are living for themselves. Come on now. They're not living for the glory of God. The Bible said unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. We're not trying to glorify men in church. We're not even trying to emphasize people in church. We're trying to bring glory to God to let the world know there's a God that there's nobody like Him. And somebody needs to give Him some glory. 
Somebody needs to give him some praise. Oh, I appreciate when people raise their hand and testify of the goodness of being in church and the goodness of how the church family cares for another. And that's appropriate and it's right and it's good. Brethren, I tell you what, the glory always belongs at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory. If we could live our lives in this apostate generation saying, all right, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen, but if you'll get glory out of it, it'd be all right. If I find myself on a sick bed with my back broke, if you get glory out of that, well, praise the Lord. If I lose everything I have, if Jesus will get glory, I'm all right with it because that's what I'm living for anyway. I want you to have glory. I want you to look bigger. I want you to look, I want you, I want you to shine. I want people to see how wonderful you are. And whatever you need to do in my life, do that. I'm good with that because my life is to bring you glory. The pursuit, guys, the pursuit of our lives should be for God our Savior to get glory. And if that's what you, if you're not living for that, you're, you're living a life that's not worth living. You know, a good reason to even get, for people to get saved from their sins and from hell is not just stay out of hell, but it's for the Lord to get something else out of their life for making them. God didn't get any glory at throwing people into hell. But he gets exceeding joy when we stand up there faultless before his throne. Boy, what a different way to look at it. Lord, I sure am glad I'm going to heaven because you get something out of it. We, we don't look at it that way, do we? Oh, I'm going to heaven. Praise God. I'm going to enjoy it. Glory be to God. What about, I'm glad I'm going to heaven so that you will have a smile on your face instead of having a frown and a disappointed look when you had to cast me in the lake of fire. I'm up there for you. Hope you get a blessing by me being up here. Because that's what we're going to be doing up there. We're going to glorify Him, you see. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory. That should be the pursuit of our life. God says, for His pleasure, we are and were created. Revelation 4, for His pleasure. That's, that's it. To preach what? Why are we going to take a, why are we going to take a, why are we sending people out there to the Navajo Reservation to work on trailers and all that? Just trying to bring the Lord glory. We want to do something, put a smile on His face. What about all these flags and giving all this money and sacrificing our money when we could have paid other things for it? Why would we do that? Because we believe that God deserves glory more than we deserve a comfortable life. Amen. To God our Savior, to the only wise God our Savior, be glory. Is that the pursuit of your life? What if we'd say, I tell you what, I want to, and I think young people ought to get a good education. I do. I believe you ought to be the best you can be. But I believe you ought to be the best you can be for God. What if somebody said, I want to be the smartest young person, amen, that ever went through the college and got a degree so that I can stand up and say, Jesus Christ deserves the glory for bringing me through this, and I just want to bring God glory for giving me some brains. Instead of making a ton of money, I want you to get some glory. God, make me a great businessman. Let me make a bunch of money so I can stick it in the offering plate and send the gospel around the world so you'll get glory. Isn't that a better way to live? To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory.
so the good question is, with what I'm doing now, tomorrow, how is this going to bring glory to the Lord? To the only wise God, our Savior, he says, first of all, be glory. And then he says, in majesty. When the Bible talks about majesty, what Jude's saying is, Lord, you deserve to be the king. Majesty. Majesty, that, that's, that's something for kings and for queens. That's something for people that are great. You, you know, you, you don't, majesty doesn't, <laughs> if, you go, if you go down to Skid Row, is that still a place? Half the places in the country are Skid Row now. But if you went down to Skid Row and you got a homeless person that, that has a messed up life, and, and you took that person and you, and you put a, the robes of the King of England on him, and you stuck a big crown on his head, and you put him on TV, somebody would say, that don't fit. There's nothing majestic with holes in the arms and unshowered and unshaven. And there's nothing majestic about them. Why are you going to treat this person like royalty? They're not royalty. I mean, guys, if you had to, if you had to sit down with the king of England, you wouldn't know to do it yourself. You would be so out of place. You would be a bumbling. They brought you in, amen, to all that China, even if you studied all that stuff from that woman, I can't even remember what her name is, and you got all the forks and the spoons and the plates and the napkins, you would not know what to do. You know why? Because you're so out of place with majesty. We're just common people. (laughs) Every one of us. But you know what Jude says? You deserve the majesty you are the king you're the one that's worthy of the robe and worthy of the crown and worthy of the songs and worthy of the pop and circumstance you're the one that's deserving of all those riches it has its rightful place on you lord you are the king of majesty so let me ask you is he your king do you treat him that way do we live lives worthy of the king Do we represent our majestic king very well? Are we, we're supposed to be children of the king if we're saved? Do we tell others how great he is, how majestic he is, how rich he is? He said, the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty. Now, now I'm going to get the third word. Dominion. Hmm. Now, now that's a word that's important in this book because look over verse number 8. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise, what's the word? Dominion. There's something about human nature that despises dominion. But Jude, as he finishes this book, he says, Lord, I, I know what's wrong. What's wrong in this world is you don't have the dominion. If you, were, if you had the authority of all these people's lives, we wouldn't be living in a world like this. We want you to have the dominion. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was teaching his 
disciples how to pray. I think sometimes we overlook all the little details of that little prayer, even when people memorize it. And the Lord said, he said in that little, that little prayer, he talks about, about the kingdom. Thine is the kingdom and the power. He mentions the power here. And the glory, he mentions that here. And when somebody is in the place of the king, if he's the proper king, he has dominion over, over the people in his kingdom. He has the authority. He has the control. Jesus said in Matthew 20, he called, his, called the people unto him. He said, you know that the princes of the, uh, the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority. Upon them, but it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And the reason he said that is, he said, I set you an example. I ministered to you. I'm not dominating your life. I'm ministering to you. And so you need to minister to each other. But the whole principle at the end of the day is, you're not to dominate each other. Everybody needs to be under the dominion of God, our Savior. He's the one that should have the dominion. He's the one that should be the authority. He's the one should be in control. The reason for all of the nastiness is because the Lord God does not have dominion. You remember what God did in the, in the, in the garden there? He came to Adam and he says, Adam, I'm, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to make all these animals I'm going to make all these fish and I'll make all these birds and you're going to have the dominion over them. That's the word he used. You, you'll have, you can tell the birds what to do. You can tell the, the lions what to do and you can tell the dogs and the cats. You can tell the fish what to do. I, I was preaching with Brother Knox and he was telling me about going scuba diving and all this stuff. He, he was scuba diving on in the Great Barrier Reef. you know. And I told him, I said, Brother James, you need to quit doing that. You're going to die. I mean, there are big things down there that can swallow you. You know what he told me? He said, I don't worry about none of that. He had a, just the other day, he had a shark bump into him. Just bumped it, scared him, bumped in from behind. I said, Brother James, you need to quit doing that. We need to hear you preach. He said, ah. He said, I got dominion over him. <laughs> really? I think half of that was tongue-in-cheek. But he said, yeah, i got dominion over you. I just tell him. He said, if one of them comes, I'm, I'm going to say, you know, I've got dominion over you. <laughs> and then I start telling him, but what about all these people that get eat? He said, well, they're not saved. <laughs> now, listen, I'm not so much worried about having dominion over the animals, but I am worried about whether or not Jesus Christ has dominion over me. Guys, you know what the problem is? We don't want anybody to tell us what to do. We don't want any authority over our lives but ourselves. We do not want anyone to have the dominion over us. Oh, yeah, Lord. Yeah, preacher, I'd let Jesus have the dominion. I'm just not going to let anybody else. Well, then you don't know the Bible because the whole principle in the Bible is if you can't let other authorities have dominion over your life, you're not going to let the Lord have dominion over your life. Just like if you can't love people, you don't love Jesus. God puts every one of us in situations where somebody is our authority. 
And nine times out of the ten, the problems that we have in life is because we don't appreciate the dominion. And the best thing we can do in this day of apostasy is let God be the authority of our life. And guys, he's just not in control of everybody's life. And just because you're in church this, this evening doesn't mean that he has, he has the authority in your life. You know, you've got to voluntarily give that to him. He's not going to take it from you. You've got to be like Jude and say, Lord, I want you to get glory. I want you to get majesty. And I want you to have the dominion. Here are the keys. Hard to turn over those keys. Hard to give all the keys to my heart and my decisions to the Lord. It's difficult. Because I want to be in charge. And these control freaks that have to be in charge, they're going to learn a hard lesson in life that one day, if you don't just lay it all at the feet of the Lord and say, Lord, you take dominion, you're going to hit your head up against a big wall one of these days. From a child, to the home, to the church, to national things. The problem is people do not appreciate dominion. Nehemiah prays to God, or they say that big prayer to God in Nehemiah chapter 9. And they said, Lord, look at us. These kings have, listen, have dominion over our bodies. And over our cattle. Thank God we live in America. Can you imagine Washington, D.C. being in control of your body? Having dominion over... That, that's what was happening in Nehemiah's time. Now, that's what they do in China. They, they tell them women how many babies they can have. They have dominion over their bodies. And we fight all that, and rightly so. We don't, we don't want anybody having dominion over what we do in our house, what we believe. We, we don't want that. But, but guys, we need to let, there is one wise God that we let, need to let Him be in dominion of how I think, what I believe, how I live, of everything about my life. And I need to just give Him the keys. Because you can trust the only wise God to have the dominion over you. You can't trust anybody else, and you surely can't trust yourself. Just look around. And there's some folks, you know, they, they talk themselves into thinking they've let the Lord have dominion over them. <laughs> when they're still making their decisions. I love this. I love to read this because I think the devil hates this. Daniel chapter 7, the Bible says uh, in verse 13, Daniel said, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days and they brought him near before him and there was given him dominion and glory and the kingdom that all people, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. People can fight Jesus all they want to and take control of their life and not appreciate his authority but one of these days Jesus Christ will have the dominion over everything. And I say, let him come quickly. The sooner the better, amen. Take charge. There won't be a vote, amen. 
And he ain't even going to ask anybody what, what anybody thinks. Because he's the only wise God. I mean, he's already got dominion over death. Death hath no more dominion over him. I mean, when you've got the authority over death, you're, you're way up there. Death, stop right there. Yes, sir. Amen. That's what he's going to do when the rapture takes place. Death, you're going to stop right there. I'm going to get all these people up. And there's not going to be a fight between Michael, amen, and the devil over these bodies getting up out of the ground because I have dominion over death because I've, I've won the victory. See, I've got the keys. He's got the dominion over death. He says sin shall not have dominion over. He's got the dominion over sin. Why in the world? Wouldn't I give him dominion over my life? And then he says, To the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power. Power. The glory should be the pursuit of our life. The majesty, he should be the king of our life. The dominion, he should be the authority of our life. The power. He should be the enabling of our life. God, the only way I'm going to get through this is your power. You got the power. I don't have the power. You got the power and you'd belong. You know, some people have the power, they'd hurt somebody. Powerful people hurt people. But the Lord Jesus Christ deserves the power. If he hurts somebody, they need to be hurt. Amen. If he destroys somebody, they deserve to be destroyed. Because he's the only wise God. He knows to who to exercise his power toward. But aren't you glad that he has the power to sustain us, to help us to live our lives? To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power. And then I like this, guys. We're finishing up. He said, both now. In other words, Lord, you don't just deserve this in eternity. You deserve it right now. Both now and ever. We know you're going to get glory in the glory world, but you, need, you deserve glory right now. We know that people will see you in your majesty later, but they need to see you in your majesty right now. We know you're going to have dominion over the whole planet one day, but Lord, you deserve that dominion right this second. You've got power. You've got power to conquer the world and defeat the devil. But you've got that power right now. All power in heaven and earth is given to him right now. And you know how I like it, how Jude ends? You know he's right with God. He gets to, to the only wise God our Savior, big glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. And then he writes, Amen. He got through right, and I believe the Holy Ghost said, pick it up again. Right, amen. I'll, I'll say amen to that right there. You ever study that word, amen? It, the last word of your Bible is amen. 
That's it. So be it. I'm going to acknowledge it. We find, amen, in this text, not only who is the only wise God and what we should give Him, but how long we should acknowledge Him. We need to acknowledge Him now and forever. And we need to say amen to everything God is and God does. Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen. How many times in the Psalms have you read, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and Amen. Blessed be His glorious name forever. And let the whole earth... Amen. How about our great commission, you know. Going all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Teach them, there all things whatsoever I command thee. And he says, he tells us, Lord, I'm with you always, even in the world. And he says, Amen! That's the way we want it to be, God. We want your plan and your program and your gospel. We're just going to say amen. We're not going to hinder it. We're not going to fight it. And we're not even going to sit aside while nobody says anything. We're going to say amen. That's what we want, God. For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To whom be glory forever. And the Roman writer said amen. John writes, there are many of the things which Jesus did, the which if they should be written every one, I suppose the world even itself could not contain the books that should be written. And John can't help himself and he writes, Amen. <laughs> I agree with that. I acknowledge that. I wrote this book, but I didn't write half the story. I say, Amen, Lord. Behold, he comes with clouds, every eye shall see him. They which pierced him, listen, all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of them, because of him. It says, even so, amen. When God, when the Lord Jesus Christ judges the great whore, up there in heaven they start shouting and saying, Alleluia. And the beast and the 24 elders say, Amen. God, you did right. That judgment was just and it was right. Revelation chapter 5, they said, Worthy is the Lamb to receive wisdom and power and honor and glory and blessing and praise. And the Bible says those four beasts, amen, around the throne said, Amen. Boy, it would be good if our lives were a hearty amen to the things of the Lord. He which testifieth these things saith, last two verses of the Bible, surely I come quickly. And John's got to stop and say, Amen. Thank you, Lord, for writing that. I'm just going to write an Amen to that. And then I'm going to say, Even so come, Lord Jesus. And the Spirit of God said, Well, go ahead and write one more verse. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. He says, I got to say Amen to that too. (laughs) Amen. The Bible ends with an amen, an agreement, an acknowledgement. And in this day of apostasy, what we need is the amen to our God and to His truth. May we not give an oh me, or I don't know, or I'm not so sure about it, or we'll have to wait and see. God, help us to put the seal of our acknowledgement to our God in this day where so many people doubt Him, 
So many people rejected. May we as his people say, Amen.